Hey guys, George Mesa, Third Eye Edify. And today, in the continuing saga of my music experience, as you basically get to live through me and see whatever I think I'm seeing, at least, I'm starting to put things together, take things apart. In the collective of music, yes, maybe music history, but more importantly, music as a weapon. And how long ago did that process start? If indeed it was intended to. And how long does a process like that take? Usually it takes a very long time. Just look at the Federal Reserve and see how long plans like that to all this CBDC insanity that we're seeing now. How long did that take? It took 100 years. So more, obviously, more than 100 years, but just an, just an idea behind what this could be. Because my main concern with this entire process of working out this music thing is, where did we go wrong? Not we, but where did music change? How? How were they hiding it? They're able to hide a lot through history. Keep in mind, the history of history isn't even that old, as far as it being taught in colleges. So look into that for a very interesting little peek at how messed up the education system is. I mentioned it in a previous episode, maybe the one about Time Magazine, I don't quite remember, honestly. But let's get into it. Based on the title, you may be wondering what I meant. There is the concept of music form. The form of music is the context of its parts. I mean, think about in modern rock music, verse, chorus, bridge, in any particular order that it happens to be intro. This is the form of the song. And most music is short form versus, let's say, long form. Picture poetry, same thing. There aren't typically 20-page poems. Sometimes there's 20 on one page. Sometimes there's <laughs> one on a few pages, but overall, poems don't tend to be very long. Not good or bad, of course, because I think short form concepts melodically and otherwise, these are clearly the way music was meant to be. This is how most information is transferred from person to person. Once you hit sentence number 15 or 16, as you're talking to somebody about any topic, there's a bit of a haze that's about to envelop the entire scenario. It's best to have bite-sized bits of information go back and forth between people speaking or even between teacher and student, something I have a lot of experience with, anything along those lines. And as I'm sure you've heard me mention several times recently, I am still a teacher, and I even teach people that aren't necessarily looking to be a working or playing musician, people without instruments can teach you how to listen to music, what to listen for. It's, it's a great skill to have, trust me, uh, for many reasons that we won't get into here today. But entertainment nowadays really does seem very, very short. And it's, it's a long story, pun intended. But I think what I will do my best to get into now is what seems to be 
evolution, devolution, revolution, whatever you want to call it, we left what was starting to become a more of a long-form scenario. Think of a symphony or an opera or any kind of uh, movie, particularly motion pictures. After the original sets of them, there were some longer ones back in the day, but most of them were a little shorter, and then they turned into this 90-minute seemingly mandatory format that we have now. Obviously not a guarantee. But um, think about video games as well, by the way. This isn't just a music conversation. This is an entertainment and overall perception conversation. Long and short of it, the title meaning long and short form in music and other things. But I'm also going to go over the idea of image and a few other concepts that I think are directly tied to it in whatever we're dealing with here. The endless loop of doom scrolling turns into more hours per day than a typical full-length movie or a symphony. Funny enough that people are willing to just, you know, endlessly look at something on their phone. New 10 second, 10 second, 10 second, 10 second, 10 second point made is that after hundreds of these things, suddenly you've spent five hours looking at your phone at nothing, essentially. We're very overall, on average, very empty and almost meaningless entertainment. Yeah, it might be funny once. Yeah, it might pique your interest to a certain topic. When something is selling something or when something is trying to teach you something quickly, that's cool. And there's plenty of that out there. It's not like TikTok is an absolute demon enemy of the, of the world. But overall, most of it's pretty crap. Um, and this is part of what I mean with the evolution to the short form that exists. It seems like that's all we have. It seems like there's, it almost seems like there's nothing else, even though of course there is. So believe me when I say that, I know. But there's a reason to make examples out of it. And I'm going to do my best to do so. I may be reading a little more than I have been recently because I have a lot of very specific things I want to say and I don't want to glance over everything. You wouldn't believe how many things I don't mention out of my show notes every single time. And uh, the previous maybe five or six episodes, I've actually done my best to not look down at my writing, but um, not good or bad. It's just the way those went. I'm going to be looking a little more this time. And maybe it's memorized. doesn't matter. I, again, don't want to miss important things. And please leave a comment. Um, tell me what you think about anything that I'm talking about or add to things that I missed or things that you know about better than I do because I don't know everything. And and neither do you and neither does anybody, of course. Um, so like I said, this doom scrolling, just as a simple nickname for the whole thing, half joking, you can get three to eight hours a day for most people of doing this nowadays. It's replaced modern entertainment for a lot of people, and they usually sit down to get right to the streaming as soon as they're done with that. I'm not saying I haven't done that once or twice, or maybe more, who knows, but it's not my regular work day, and geez, it, it's changing people. It's changing people very quickly, and it's molding minds at a young age. Keep that in mind, too. Try starting a symphony for someone who isn't already a classical music buff. See how long they stay engaged. Start an opera for somebody, particularly one in a different language, even if it has subtitles, which people seem to crave nowadays, even in their own language. It's not good enough. 
have somebody who likes video games. Do they play RPGs? They might love the intro or the concepts behind the characters, but are they playing the whole game? Are they really putting in the work to get the most out of it and see everything they can see that the game has to offer? Usually not. And modern mobile video games did not help. It added to the culture-wide inculcation of this concept. You get, you know, a $5 game, a $2 song that you can purchase. These mobile games are so... They're such empty calories, I can't even believe it. There's no ending. You just kind of press them, and some of them only require you to actually start them to get anything out of it. These $2 songs, you don't have to buy a whole album. Just buy one song. It's not... The value isn't there. These mobile games could be two to three minutes of fun when something that costs approximately six times as much may give you days and weeks and months of entertainment. The value doesn't work and they get you with this stuff. And the same thing is happening with music. The $2 song, it's not... Um, the, the replayability, the value is not the value of the sum of its parts. And it's a very strange business model that we've evolved into with streaming music in particular. Most people don't even know what the album is of their favorite artists or the song they really like for a few days or maybe a few weeks at best. They, they drop the artist immediately. It's not even about the person making the music. And I think I got into detail about that in a certain respect previously about how What's being sold isn't even the idea of making money off of it. It's not about making money anymore. It really isn't. Your money is energy. And the way you use it does use your energy in a certain way. But again, I, I don't think that's the goal anymore. And the go woke, go broke seems to prove that. The modern entertainment ingester, they won't, enter, they won't entertain or listen to one long song Sometimes an entire album is longer than a symphony. Sometimes an entire album can be longer than an opera or maybe even some movies if it's a double album. But where did it start? Where did this come from? Right? I think that there's the splitting up of the entertainment medium itself that maybe has led to this slowly over time, of course. What I think of are songs splitting up an album or movements splitting up a symphony or books being separated into volumes anyone who reads manga knows of that and i particularly remember when the green mile came out from stephen king i don't remember i might have been 12 13 around that time when that happened maybe i was a little younger actually and uh, my teacher did not believe me that i was reading stephen king books and i had a dictionary next to me and i certainly was they might mean something different to me now, but I did it. I just wasn't, it just wasn't believed. The Green Mile was separated into maybe four books. I remember very well. I never saw the movie actually, but I did like the books at the time. TV shows, same concept, right? And that seems to be guided by money and not artistic expression. Does it make it better that you break something up into volumes? If maybe if you have the whole thing written out ahead of time, but Suddenly, it seems like, you know, you make your first, let's say, season of something. If it's good, you keep going. Does that mean that now you're ready to write season two? Because that seems like it doesn't mesh with itself. And I may be slightly off track from where we're going here, but 
I wanted to just make a very large example out of all of this so you can see the context that I'm thinking in about all this stuff. So, you know, it, it seems like, like I've mentioned song covers in a previous music episode, sometimes if the commercial for like a video game or a show has a new, very stylized cover of a song that you grew up with, yet that familiarity sparks you, and then you're ready to take in that product, even if you have no relationship to what it's about or anything. It brings you in. This is the idea of image. And while music can produce imagery, there are images associated with the music now in ways that never existed. And that's going to be one of my focal points for today as well. Um, the art, in other words, the marketing behind it, is what I'm getting at. Image sold music in the post-war world. People would look through albums and look at the cover. And since you didn't have the internet and your local radio station may not have ever played this particular thing, you were buying it, if you didn't know the band ahead of time, obviously, you were buying it based on image. Music, you were buying music based on image. You'd buy a book based on the image provided. And maybe some words on the back, obviously. But... Now we're automatically losing the original intention of what music can do for you, what frequency can do for you. When you are, when the image in your mind given to you by the seller is now what you see and think about when you listen to the music, which is not giving you its own message anymore. And there's a whole world of that, and I'll get to that in a little bit. And books and video games are included in this. Take a look at this, right? For example, we're going back to the 70s now. Space Invaders. Tied to a pretty, pretty damn popular company for quite a while. This is what you would see. And if you didn't know, because most people didn't know back then, you got home, you turned it on, if you even had the system to begin with, and you got this. So whatever this tells you, this is what got you to buy it. A very clean-looking, polished image. Fancy font. Two moons, or whatever. You don't get anything like this when you're playing the game, obviously. Image has sold this. I have an interesting book that uh, from Storm Thorgerson, which is a pretty impactful person as far as the marketing of music, rock in particular. It's quite well known for Pink Floyd album covers and a bunch of others. And he, along with somebody else who he um, worked with on a number of album covers and things, released this book, 100 Best Album Covers. So once again, this is just the concept of the marketing. But this is a little interesting side note as I was looking through things, as things always come up as I'm finding stuff out. And my instinct was, I'm going to page 33 of course, I'm going to page 33. Why not, right? So what is on page 33 in this very how-to-market music book? Of course, the now infamous Supertramp Breakfast in America. You may have grown up with this and known it, and you like it for this reason. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, the song Breakfast in America has a, a touch of klezmer sound in it, perhaps a reference to the dancing Israelis that were supposedly laughing at the falling of the towers. Now, why do I mention the towers? 
Well, first of all, we're in an airplane window as we view this. Lady Liberty taken up by a waitress. And just to show you that this is indeed page 33. And this is my copy of the book. I took these pictures. So people freak out about this album cover in a very interesting way. And I've seen my own stuff here. So I, maybe you can humor me for a moment. Why is this such a big deal? That we're in an airplane overlooking the Twin Towers? Why is there orange juice right in front of the Twin Towers? Do the words do anything for us? Well, maybe they do. Maybe they do. What is being shown here? Orange juice. The words orange juice. When taken into a Dramatria calculator... In the four primary ways of looking at that gematria, all of them reduce to nine. The ordinal, the reduction, the reverse, the reverse reduction. Orange juice turns into nine every single time. Now I want you to take a very good look at what's going on right behind the Twin Towers. Take a good look at it. Do you notice anything? The U, it doesn't have its bottom loop connecting the lines. It looks like 11. So within the Twin Towers of this image being looked at from an airplane as a kind of joke towards Lady Liberty in general, I'm a loser, what a joker, I'm playing my jokes upon you, is a lyric in the song, by the way. The orange juice is nine inside the Twin Towers. The U doesn't look like you. If it was all by itself, you wouldn't see that. And that's an 11. 9-11. The imagery goes a long way to govern your mind. And this is how most art is sold now. Not art as in a painting, Anything else. There's imagery that goes with it. It's mandatory. I have to make thumbnails. Otherwise, I wouldn't get any clicks unless you were my fan and just wanted to watch. That's just the way it is. So I thought that was pretty interesting since I'm looking at these concepts. So why don't we get back to discussing form and seeing exactly what I'm getting at here. Because... I know it was a bit of an overview there for things, and I didn't get to the main topics yet, so believe me, there's much more. But my point is that imagery goes a long way. Imagery dictates how you view and hear and take in the musical information. It's a huge part of it. You aren't, you're almost not allowed to have your own imagery any further. Your mind has been governed by the imagery. It's perfect. I'll say what I said maybe in two episodes ago, three episodes ago. I think maybe video did kill the radio star in a very indirect way of saying exactly what I'm discussing here. So what exactly do we have to grasp as far as the ancient and the, the, the advent of form in music? 
Did it occur on its own? Probably. But we don't know. Another thing I will get to a little bit later. Binary form, a word I don't want to use because of the way computers are just taking over everything we do. Binary music, binary form. And I'm not including, of course, the concept of dual chemical weapons and binary star, binary stars and um, poetic form, often binary as well. The A-B rhyme scheme. Um, Castor and Gemini, of course, because why wouldn't we have something binary in Gemini? Of course, it's just a dead giveaway that they are just kind of laughing at us. Binary form, there's even binary notation in computers, obviously, binary numbers, zeros and ones. Masculine, feminine, right? Ones and zeros. Holes and poles, whatever you want to call it. All joking aside, this is the primary focus of any melodic structure. We have an A and a B. There's two distinct things. There's the verse and the chorus in most rock music. The verse tells the story. The chorus tells you, that says the title of the song, and it's a reprise. It repeats over and over again. There is the concept of ternary as well, T-E-R-N-A-R-Y, and that would be A-B back to A, often the same A or a very, very similar one. This is the return to the tonic. This is the return to the ionic pillar, the single. And most art is non-binary. Is ternary the most common? Are we not using that word at all anymore? I don't know. But I'll think about it, and I hope you do too. But there are other dual forms of labeling, the concepts of melodies, the concepts of storytelling, the concepts of art in general, the antecedent and the consequent. Think like a Celtic melody. They are some of the best at showing you how that antecedent consequent works. We have one phrase that sounds unfinished, and then we get a phrase that encapsulates the previous phrase but gives it a finality back to the tonic, back to the tonal center. It's a requirement. Well, it was. And a lot of modern music ends with a very unsatisfying ending or maybe just bleeds right into the next track without you getting a chance to breathe. This is the concept of the modern dance club. There's 10 songs bleed into each other. They don't even play half of it. And that just rolls right into the next one. They even change tempos to make sure that the pace stays where they'd like it to. And as far as I know, they're trained to lower the tempo and the pace when they want people to calm down for a minute, go get a drink at the bar. This is very typical stuff. And come back and then the pace picks up. You can dance again. What other binary, dual ways do we have express art? You may have heard of call and response. Typically for drums, but it's for many other things. Right? Call, response. It sounded, even though I didn't sing any notes or say any true words, did you know when I was done? I think you did. And this is just rhythm. It proves that rhythm is clearly the ultimate ooga-booga of music. You can just kind of caveman speak, and I use that term very lightly. I have a good feeling if... Indeed, cavemen were shown to be true as prescribed by the people that, <laughs> the powers that should not be. 
they were complete idiots who had no clue what was going on. I believe otherwise. And they probably had their own melodies. They may have created rhythms just like that. Maybe they had music. That's just because they didn't write it down doesn't mean anything. A lot of people don't write down their traditional songs that they pass down for generations and generations. You just have to know. If you know, you know. And if you want to go learn it, you have to go there. Think of this as question and answer. This call and response. You get a question, you get an answer. Even the cadence of my voice reveals the concept of question and answer. It's that simple. If you understood and took in what I just said, you understand music at the deepest level in ways you could never believe. It's that high-level math concept where as soon as algebra and factors and functions are introduced, suddenly you're, you're in this you know calculus territory. People are afraid. They literally fear it. They actually fear it. And they don't proceed any further. And it keeps people away from learning music because there's a few numbers to deal with. Not many. I promise you, not many at all. 12 is basically the highest number in music. Basically. And this is, again, keeps people away. They think they're not good enough because they don't have the lab coat on and they're not a, a scientist that they can't science. And because you don't have a grand piano, you can't music. Or because you're tone deaf, which most people definitely are not tone deaf um, at all, as a matter of fact. And if they can't repeat a note that you sing to them, they can't sing it back, it's trainable. You can get there. Somebody like me can take you there, by the way. Uh, generally, modern Western culture seems to have a desperate need for an immediate consequent, an immediate answer. With little to no work, Google knows it. Why the hell should I have to know it? I don't need to memorize phone numbers. I have a phone. I have a cellular telephone. If uncharged, then what? You're screwed, right? It's like reading the last page of a book. The, the book is a challenge. Challenges are dying in the modern culture for reasons like all of the ones I'm discussing right now. You know, long fort, long fort, oh, fort, right. Long form art is the same as short form art. It's just stretched out over longer periods of time. When you analyze dense classical music, you find a way to analyze it into a ternary form, A, B, A. Musically, it's labeled in sonata form in symphonies, exposition, development, recapitulation. It doesn't necessarily follow the base simplest aspects of ABA, but it is ABA. There's an A, there's a B, there's a return to A. All stories do this arc, the bell curve. You start somewhere, get to a climax, resolution, and you're back home. And most good stories end where they began. When I teach people how to solo, like let's say jazz, because the, the voice of jazz is the soloist, not necessarily the melody, whether there's a vocalist or not. You train this concept. You teach, you start somewhere. Maybe you quote the melody a little bit. You develop it. You come back, you lightly get out of it. You have the consequent, antecedent to consequent. Or more importantly, ABA really is the basis of most solos. ABA. 
when they don't have it, you're, you're reaching into another territory. Some call it progger fusion, but often those players are amazing and then they don't necessarily follow these tenets, not because they can't or don't understand it. They do usually, but it's more of a kind of the way the early 20th century was, classically speaking. They said, well, everything's been done. I'm just going to do the complete opposite, atonal, no tonality. Forget chords. My melodies are going to be based on an iteration of 12 notes that don't have a musical functional relationship. Um, they still got some pretty cool stuff out of it, but it's not exactly that. There's entire operas written that way. Schoenberg has one, uh, Moses and Anon. I forgot what it was called, actually. It's pretty amazing, pretty spooky, but it, it gets a lot of emotion, and it, there's, there's a function for it. It's in a lot of music and movies and TV shows, atonal music. It gets the job done when you're in a creepy hallway or mystery abound or terror. Some of that stuff doesn't really work with a major or a minor triad. You need more. But maybe that goes back to my uh, Harmonic Deception al uh, album. <laughs> my Harmonic Deception episode. Musically speaking, by the way, for anyone who is inclined musically, 151 is our ABA. You have the tonic chord. You get to the dominant chord, which is the five, or the five, seven, and you come back to the tonic again. If you just go from tonic to dominant and don't resolve, that'd be like leaving somebody at a cliffhanger, like most TV shows do, except that it's nothing but cliffhangers and they don't even end half the time. Funny how I said most people are just getting the consequent of no antecedent, but a lot of TV shows are just antecedent and no consequent with no consequence of viewership. We often don't, it doesn't matter. And I don't think it's about views anymore. I really don't. I'm, I'm coming to think more about the Indian music, the Gamelan Orchestra, Javanese, Balinese. I think they have a very interesting way of taking the simplest concept and making it last very long time half hour hour hours these are rituals and i have discussed this concept but i want you to see it a little different perhaps if you've been following my music episodes in particularly in indian music and please feel free to contact me i know less about this than other things but the music tends to spiral around the tonic until we reach it again this is where the power and the energy comes from in a raga, let's say. Something else I'm going to mention in a little bit. In the Gamelan Orchestra, we get a circular melody. Again, the concept of spiraling. These circular melodies play three, four, five notes, primarily in a pentatonic scale, which is just five. It's not a full scale, but it does function. You've heard it a million times. It's the primary focus of the blues, let's say. It's what lets guitarists just jump on the instrument, play the dots, and get a lot of sound without knowing anything, because it just works. But I think I even have an image to show, if you're not familiar with the Gamelan Orchestra, something along these lines, uh, often a much bigger setup than this, actually. But you'll notice tons of gongs, tons of different percussion, and they go on for hours. I think about this card a lot 
from the Rider Waite Tarot. High Priestess. She is the Ionic Pillar in the center here. And that cross is designating a center point, or X and Y axis cross. It is the middle, the tonic. It is where the spiral goes around. There's a lot of ways to see what this means. But musically, it has a very distinct function to me. And I hope that you see it in a certain way. It's easier to enchant, easier to entrance somebody with simpler, more repetitive music. It's more hypnotic. Entrance, spelled exactly like entrance, by the way. And that could mean permission to enter, in case you didn't know. Not just the entrance to somewhere, but entrance can mean permission. You have the permission to enter. Do you, do you give permission to your mind? Because they're looking for it. And you consent by purchasing an album. You consent that the image given to you, you, you give it permission to enter your mind. Then you turn the album on, and you've got this image. If a character is described in a book, and that character is on the cover, that book description might not matter anymore nearly as much. You're getting the book character. It's the nature of the beast. You know, I, a very particular thing that I, I'm, I'm just making sure I don't miss anything on this particular page is that, you know, before, before I get any further with the long and short form concepts, I think it's really worth mentioning that when you learn about these things, you often only study a piece. You don't get to study the entire work. It's mentioned, it may be written on paper, but... It's hard to analyze a 40-minute piece in a class and that needs to move through tons of pieces before it's over. I get that. But we would only often study the first movement. And I thought that was so interesting because they stand alone on their own. They do. It's almost like they were contracted to make another three albums beyond the first movement and they just kind of did it because they had to sort of thing. Now, I'm not downplaying any of the greats, but there is a peculiar nature to all of this that seem to stem from a very specific place that I'm going to get to. And perhaps concept of program music is what led us to where we're at now. This and something else that I'm going to mention that has a little more of an effect on us, I think, overall, honestly. But maybe program music was the departure. Program music being a work of music that has a description prepared for you to take it in a certain way. The best example and my favorite would be Symphony Fantastique by French composer Hector Berlioz. It's a story laid out for you. The titles aren't just movement one, movement two. There's titles to these things, the five parts of this. And not fantastic as in like, oh, it's fantastic, but fantastique, fantastical fantasy symphony a fantasy symphony right this doesn't fit the bill of a typical symphony and it's quite interesting and i highly suggest listening to it i really do there is from richard strauss also sprach zarathustra it's exactly the title of the nietzsche book 
the one where he said apparently that God is dead, <laughs> which kept people away from him, even though I don't think that was what he meant at all. I think he said more of God won't be needed anymore if you introduce all this science into our lives. That's what he meant, I think. It's got nothing to do with demeaning or denouncing God. And the title we know is Thus Spoke Zarathustra, not Also Spracht. That's the German. But as I was saying, maybe program music was the departure from this very concentrated form, this format. And it broke away from the restrictions of form from the Renaissance all the way up to, you know, modern stuff. It's been with us for a long time. Any opera is program music, basically. There's a whole story behind it. But more importantly, in an opera, the story is being told to you as it occurs. So you do get the chance to almost read the book, let's say. The challenge of the book comes back for the opera. That's good. And they didn't have album covers back then, right? But from the Renaissance all the way up to the modern era, scores, maybe the occasional concept album, scores for music, let's say, uh, for movies, I'm sorry, scores for movies are program music. If you hear it, you automatically think of the movie, and you don't really even realize it when it's going on. The explanation for the music is not left to the listener, though, and it's all consequent. There's no antecedent. You don't get the answer. The whole thing, I'm sorry, it's all answer. You don't get the question. There is no question. You know what it is already. When you hear it, it's instant. The connection is made with the image. Your imagery, your determination of what the imagery could be is completely disregarded and it's canceled by the image provided, by the artwork provided. Nobody seems to want orchestral music in their life, but it's totally fine if it's in movies and video games, right? It's everywhere. It's still happening. It's not like classical music died. It just moved on to the prescribed, I need to be providing a scenery for some art, for some motion picture, for some video game. And unfortunately, now the images seem to win the battle of our psyche. Or does it? Turn off the music for a video game. Just the music, let the sound effects roll. See how exciting it is now. It's really different. Turn off the sound for a movie entirely. Just watch a scene from a movie, particularly one where people are just talking. Action scene, whatever. But get two people talking about something very emotional, you know, a climactic scene in a movie where they finally come to terms and have this conversation they've been waiting to have. Turn off the sound. It is not going to be the same thing. As a matter of fact, you may be more confused as to what they're talking about when the music doesn't guide you. So there is, there's two sides to this coin. The music completely zones you in on an emotion that you should be feeling at the time as you're watching something, and then that's the one that, that is governing your mind to think a certain way. But then when it comes to music itself, sometimes the artwork is actually taking you there in a certain direction. Or if you have, a, even paintings have this. Paintings sometimes, they have a humongous plaque next to them with a thousand words to tell you what this line on this one canvas means you don't get to do it yourself you get to say much like the emperor's new clothing oh i see it now yeah and that's not necessarily good but either way your music it directs your reactions emotionally or otherwise 
So music still holds the candle of the importance. But now, again, now we come back. Certain chords, certain instruments in a certain way, orchestrated a certain way, they give you certain images because of the movies that you know them from. And when composer sounds like another one, it's because they're using the same tenets of how to make that sound, that emotion. It's not because they're necessarily ripping them off. And um, maybe there's more to that, but that's not necessarily how far I want to go with this. Is this mixed media, is this mixed media, this Gesamtkunstwerk, as Richard Wagner put it, this total artwork, is it taking away from the oral aspect? I ask again, as I did earlier, did video kill the radio star? Uh, love it or hate Richard Wagner. He had some incredible ideas. And um, he, even though he wanted to make sure everything was combined from his point of view, you know, the imagery of the opera, the words, the music, all from him, he still wanted each to be subordinate and equal. But no matter what, I think the image wins in the end. People might know a snippet of his music, but the idea of the humongous opera, female opera singer with the horns on, this is, and no less thank you to um, the Looney Tunes aspect of it all. That That's the final, and people know that more than anything else. And they certainly, you know, if anything, don't know who did it or who's responsible or where it came from or why. It's not that old, actually. It's not where opera started, I assure you that. And this includes ballet as well. The world just seems to be obsessed, addicted, manipulated even by the need or the craving for the end. Not, not like the big red button, you know, that ends everything. Push the button, right? Push the button already. But the consequence, the ending of the story, the answer to the question. The hidden switch opening that inaccessible exit. The grass is always greener. All without any work or any acknowledgement of the need for knowledge. And I really think it's really affecting all of us so much, so deeply, that even though this is a series of music episodes, it's the entire arc of entertainment in general. And the in the kind of, somehow the need has been created for it to be there all the time. And it often skirts people's responsibilities. I'm just as guilty as everyone else. But I'm very conscious of it. I'm doing my best to avoid now. So before we get into what maybe in the past 800 or so years short-form music has done and where it has taken us, before I end with that, I do want to mention this fantastic book that I believe I brought up in the past from 1948, Our Musical Heritage from Kurt Sachs. Perhaps I discussed it in my interview with Dan Bailey, which may have been as long ago as episode 8, this being number 34 recording this in the middle of July, 2023. The Indian ragas, as I had mentioned earlier, that could take anywhere from 30 minutes to hours to get to the point, to get to the consequent, to build the energy and the tension to make it worthwhile in the end. Much more of an Eastern thing. If you watch any Eastern entertainment, we often are just... The ending is nowhere in sight, sometimes it seems. 
the beat of Eastern visual entertainment shows and movies, they're just not the same. A lot of people don't get it because of that. Well, get it, whatever you want to call it. But these ragas, much like the African drumming, you get a drum beat that represents the day or a god. These ragas were assigned to all things. And even, again, parts of the day. But they must not be played at improper hours. This is, goes back to a similar concept of people smoking cigarettes all day, every day. And tobacco used to be used for certain rituals at certain times of the year, not packs and packs a day. It defeats the whole purpose. It disrespects it. It doesn't get the point. And it kills you anyway. So <laughs> the ones we have anyway, the tobacco we have. Um, it's not ideal for the Western audience. But we've been kind of taken away from all that by these short forms of music. China, and this is all referencing the book that I just mentioned, China would assign instruments to certain things. Small examples here. Drums would be north, winter, water, through the skin. Maybe it's an Ayurvedic idea. Panpipes would be east, spring, mountain, bamboo. Zither, south, summer, fire, silk. This is a string instrument that's often sat down with, and you've probably seen play, people playing them. Many different cultures throughout the entire world use them, their own versions of them. Bell, west, autumn, dampness, metal. So just an example that if you heard an instrument, you were actually supposed to think of something. This is much like a certain color meaning something, a certain flower meaning something, a certain fish meaning something, symbology. So it's there again, funny enough. It's a beautiful tradition. It's a great idea. I love it. And I bet it holds some very serious cultural values for them. But it's not going to mean anything to you unless you know. And then if you know, the imagery you get is instantaneous and it's actually pre predetermined. And you don't get to think of what that flute sounds like. You're like, okay, it's um, east, it's spring, it's mountain, right? It's bamboo, the rustling bamboos. It all comes hand in hand. Um, and interest, even more interesting is each of the 12 chromatic pitches belong to an hour of the day and a month of the year in this Chinese idea that I'm discussing. Sacred hymns went up in pitch, a half step, every month. Start of the next year, we got a brand new octave. How amazing is that? More to come on that. That's not something I want to brush over, but I just want to give you the ideas that culturally, Music, again, not used like it is nowadays for us. This short form is clearly, in my opinion anyway, it's hard to disprove this, but it's also very hard to prove any of it when it's this long ago that we're discussing, but it's got to be the oldest form. And out of necessity, obviously, because nobody had instruments, nobody had orchestras. Maybe there were people singing together. I have no idea. It's... Un, it's not provable. But short form is very necessary. It's very human. Vocals or percussion. Or vocal percussion, as I kind of gave earlier example with the call and response. Um, but funny enough, long form also matches life, cyclically speaking. As we have our seven-year cycles, nine-year cycles, 21-year cycles of things. Um, this, this happens. So long form is not out. I'm not saying that at all. And as I said earlier, we need to get more aligned with dealing with something that lasts an hour 
oh, I, I just don't have time to wait to get to there. You, you got to get there. That's the beauty of it. That's where the, the tension and the release comes from. This is the beauty of the push-pull of the yin-yang. This is the beauty of it. And the way entertainment is now, wouldn't you say that it's dumbing us down? These quick snippets of just like random entertainment that is so pathetic and under undervalued. Well, it's, it's overvalued. It's underproduced. It's nothing special. There's people doing much better work that get zero recognition. And that's just the way it goes, of course. But maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Notice I didn't know any yes. I, I, it's a confusing concept, but... Most poetry, madrigals, leader, chansons, motets. We'll get into motets in a second. Palestrina. Most ancient melodies in general, rhythms. All continents we're discussing here. Folk, jazz, rock, punk, metal, blues, pop, etc. All of it is short form. All of it. Now again, you might say, oh, Smashing Pumpkins had a double album. A gong had a three album, you know, run. It's still separated into songs. This is the short form. You can take any song and it lit, live it, it'll live on its own. Whether it's telling a story or not, by the way. So keep that in mind as well. It's what we have now. This is what's popular. And more importantly with that album argument is that people just buy one song at a time, as I said earlier in this episode. So it doesn't go away. It still is really what we're getting now. It, it, the short form is king. And I hope that I'm exemplifying how important long form is more in the Indian Raga sense, more in the Gamelan Orchestra sense, not so much the symphony, because even that, again, is separated into shorter pieces, shorter movements. That was the wrong word there. The symphony is the piece. The sections are the movements. It seems to have bastardized everything. It's like, ah, you can just listen to the first one. And <laughs> so the... I'll get back to it in a sec. So, again, I wanted to... Get, I, want, I said motets... You may or may not have heard of this before. There's a few ways to classify these things, but the most important way to look at it, and this is approximately 1200 to about 1800, that motets were really being used and we were aligned with them. So it passed well before the common practice era of Baroque classical romantic leading up to the 20th century. Well before. And there were secular and sacred it wasn't just for the church, like most of the way we learn uh, Western theory, Western harmony. But maybe motets are the culprit for all this fog-headedness we have nowadays regarding art, regarding music, modern music in particular. It's There's a mystique. If you don't know what a motet is, I'm not going to play one for you right now. Go listen to some motets. I'm not necessarily recommending you pause this and go. I suggest you wait till we're done because I'm I don't have much left to say about this particular topic. Listen to motets. Any I don't care which one it is. Listen to any motet. It doesn't matter what era it's from. It's going to sound similar. And the mystique of the sound whether it's blatantly obvious or not is generally from how seemingly unattached everything is. 
sometimes different parts of text are being said simultaneously. So words and syllables and vowels are overlapping in ways that really wouldn't have nowadays. But they're heard simultaneously. Now, back to the imagery concept. Once you listen to it, whether I say this or not, you're going to think of your typical standard Christian pearly gates heaven feeling. This is exactly what you're going to get because that's exactly what they want you to think when you hear this. A lot of it was for the church, not all of it. And even the hokey-dokey secular folks were looking for a taste of God, or at least a taste from the unattainable, the unquenchable love of the Virgin Mary, for example. But this sound is completely associated with church music, no question. It's what people think they're going to hear when they go to heaven. And yet it's a cacophony where words don't line up Melodies are not even implying the same tonal center, not by the standards that we have now. And how could they? They weren't necessarily looking for that. They were composing over compositions on purpose. This keeps people relaxed and focused, apparently. Very funny. I think it's just the placebo effect. I think one pitch, just going, would actually be better at focusing an individual. Just my opinion, of course. Um, and this is somebody who used to go to sleep to death metal. Okay. I know the opposite of all this. I do. But um, that's neither here nor there at the moment. Most recordings of this ancient stuff are potentially very unfaithful. And it's nobody's fault. It hasn't been. Yeah, some of it's written. Sure. But it's it gets, this is orally passed down. And Let's just pretend one was exactly 800 years ago. How precisely do you think it's being represented from what it used to be? And that's including some of the topics I've discussed recently, temperament and, you know, pitch in general. It's not going to be the same. There's so many things that claim that here, listen to the oldest melody. They're not claiming it was recorded when it was written, of course, but that is not the sound that I imagine being, it doesn't sound that old. It just doesn't. A lot of historical artifacts don't seem to be as old as they say because they resemble what we have now so much. And music is no exception. And I want to be very clear about that. I'm worried about the timeline being very wrong historically. So wrong that we may be not nearly as old as we think we are. Just something to think about. The timeline's already in question, but monophony is first. Just like I said earlier, a single melody, single melodic line has got to be the first thing that happened. I hope we can agree on that. But 800 years later, and this dominant Palestrinian contrapuntal counterpoint makes sure that the main melody, the copyrightable song, is completely ensconced in a swirling thick, confusing texture. I'm paraphrasing my own reading, my own writing here. Being primarily sacred, and like I said, some of it was secular, doesn't focusing on actual worship lose its edge? If you actually try to pay attention to everything, you need several referees on the field, just like with soccer or football. You can't all focus on all of it. It's impossible. You, you cannot. 
doesn't mean you can with orchestral work. Some of them have more than 15 different instruments. You can pinpoint things, you can catch it, but it's not going to be every single thing being intended, intentionally listened to simultaneously. It's almost impossible for the most part. And it's another image relationship. It activates something you already have predetermined it to be due to your inculcation, due to your upbringing through this culture. It's always used for that imagery. You cannot listen to a motet and not think of the things that you're supposed to think of when you hear it, even if that, whether or not that's the reason. It doesn't mean that that's what it was for. And uh, let me just get to the back of the back of the alley here, because I'm I pretty much said most of what I had to say. But think about this: play some hair metal or some Iraqi folk song, and most people in the world just won't resonate with it because they didn't grow up with it, or they don't live there, or they don't know what they're saying, or they have no idea of the cultural reference. These motets immediately hit you. Everyone the same way. There are rules that are generally followed the way that they're structured and written as you learn how they work. But modern Western tonal harmonic theory is relatively disregarded. And it has tricks we are potentially unaware of, in my opinion. And the tuning was probably much different. Modern notation is only about 500 years old, so they didn't write it the way we have it now. Most music, or let me just say music now, produces imagery based on imagery. All consequent. No antecedent. You don't get to have your own personal moment with this music. It's not going to happen. I'm almost guaranteeing it. And perhaps this song form, this motet, is what led to what we have now with this unbelievably stupid, valueless crap. It's not everything, but it's a lot of what especially kids get into, and adults that are kids. It's not like, oh, look at me. I grew out of all this stuff. It's not the case. If you need to be test, if you need a test, I think Sepultura's new drummer is amazing. If you know, you know. I'm not like I'm not keeping track of these things. It's not like I don't know about entertainment. I also have child's students. So thankfully, as this 41-year-old travels through his life, I don't necessarily get left back when it comes to all the modern stuff. And there's not much to keep up with. I walk into the toy aisle of any store, and I know every single toy I'm seeing is the same. Even the wrestling toys, I'm like, oh, I won't know any wrestlers. They just have the old wrestlers. So I know all that stuff. Um, and this comes back to what I said in my last episode, my Rockfin exclusive, Entertainment Entropy, is that the Trojan horse is they get you in with things you already had from your previous childhood, and therefore you don't even bother screening it, and you give it to your children and then there's all this disgusting agenda going on in it. A conversation for another day. But imagine if you were given the chance to listen to something and produce your own actual feelings, emotions, ideas about it. 
the entire thing would be an antecedent to deliver you a beautiful, satisfying consequent. Much like reading a book from beginning to end, a well-written book from beginning to end. I have a book coming out, as a matter of fact. I'll be selling it independently, and you guys will be the first to know all about it, of course. And I assume I will be accompanying that with a Third Eye Edify website, which is long overdue and will certainly be happening. But in the meantime, you can support me on Patreon. It'd be much appreciated. And of course, you can support me on Rockfin by becoming a premium member through my channel. You'll get me and everyone else's exclusive content, and there's a lot going on on Rockfin right now. It is certainly the YouTube alternative. YouTube, who is getting rid of videos that either review or even bring up the movie Sound of Freedom. YouTube, who, along with Twitter and whatever else is out there, are doing their best to keep you from being able to think your own thoughts and speak your own free mind, much like what I discussed here today, how images actually take over your own self-produced imagery. You're almost locked into someone else's concept. And that is not the point of art in any medium, in my opinion. That is not the point of art. But being relatively mandatory, it's the way things are now. Perhaps you think my episodes are going to be a certain way when you see my thumbnail, and then they're different or a little different or a lot different. Tell me, are my thumbnails misleading? I hope they're intriguing at the very least. I think that'll do it for today. I appreciate you all so much, and I hope this music journey is giving you lots to think about, because it's certainly giving me lots to think about. Thank you eternally. And I'll see you real soon with much more.